Well, welcome to the Global Math Department, everyone. My name is Lee Natero, and I'll be your host tonight. Tonight, we're going to be hearing from Isis Span. Uh, but before we give our, um, before we begin our session, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how the Global Math Department works. The Global Math Department is an organization that is run entirely by volunteers. To keep the free, high-quality PD, we need webinar speakers, webinar hosts, and writers for our newsletter. Newsletter writers share about an area of math or math teaching that resonates with them or discusses recent math blogs that help teachers reflect on their practice. If you'd like to volunteer or know someone who would be great in any of these areas, please have them email us at globalmathdepartment at gmail.com or have them reach out to us on Twitter. Before I introduce our speaker, I'd like to explain a little bit about how our webinars work. Our webinars are recorded and are available about 24 hours after the meeting ends. To view the recording, you can use the same link you used to get here tonight. The Global Math Department community prides itself on being friendly and supportive. The chat room is available for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. And if the chatter gets busy, I'll be sure to catch your questions for the presenter. If you haven't already done so, please introduce yourself in the chat, telling us what you teach, where you teach, and what your Twitter handle is, if you have one. I see lots of familiar names in the list of participants. Welcome, Jennifer from Central Illinois. And welcome, Matt. Marilyn, we got Las Vegas. I saw Juan Paulo again from the Philippines, I believe. Lots of familiar faces with us this evening. So our webinar speaker is Isis Span, and she'll be uh, sharing on the topic Kindergarten Math Matters. Mrs. Spann is a dedicated mother of four. She's also the wife and her number one fan. She's the number one fan to Terry Spahn Jr. And they all reside in South Carolina. I just mispronounced that again, Spann. Sorry about that. Mrs. Spann is a first-generation college student who earned her bachelor's degree from Johnson C. Smith University in elementary education. She later earned her master's degree from Grand Canyon University, with a focus in educational administration. She's been an educator for the past decade, founded a pod and released Nina's, uh, Nia's Purpose, a children's book highlighting her daughter who is conquering cerebral palsy. She is the CEO of Fundamentals of Learning uh, and creator of Kindergarten Counts. Mrs. Spann believes that every child is a genius, every family is an asset, and every educator has an opportunity to plant seeds of hope in children. And so now I'm going to turn it over to Mrs. Isis Span. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I see a lot of different time zones, and I'm so excited that you guys are here to have this conversation with me today around why kindergarten counts, why it matters, and, uh, and I'm excited. So we are going to hop in, because like I said, I know we're coming in from a lot of different places, and I want to be respectful of everyone's time as we move into this very, very important topic and conversation for me. All right, so we are going to talk about kindergarten math every day at home, and at school. So really it's about bridging that gap to see all of the from all of the amazing things that we do day in and day out in the classroom and then allowing families to translate and teaching them how to translate that same great teaching that we do in the classroom at home. All right. So we are let me get started. My clicker was working fabulously before right now. All right. <laughs> so one of the things I want to start with is this idea of mathematical knowledge and its importance. I'm not going to read all of this to you guys. I know that we are all brilliant in our own right, but there are a few things that I want to pull out. 
And the first thing is that mathematical knowledge begins early. And there's this sense that Gary and his team and Clements and their team have around humans actually being born with this fundamental sense of, of quantity and really the importance of continuing to explore that and nurture that in young children. And a lot of times we get bombarded with how important reading is and how reading is fundamental. And I and while I agree with those sentiments and those ideas, I feel like math gets left out of that conversation a lot. And that's why it's really important for us to continue to advocate for early mathematics and to advocate for families really knowing and understanding what that early mathematics looks like. So what if, I know that this could never happen in a million years, but what if there was a global pandemic and all schools shut down and we had to heavily rely on families to lead math instruction? I know it can never happen, but what if that actually happened and we had to live through that? Now, you know <laughs> that it did happen. And you know that for so many families, they had an overwhelming sense of what do I do? What do you mean when you're asking my child to decompose a number? What, are you, what do you mean when you're asking them to use a number line? We were essentially having conversations that families may not have been that in tune to or may not even have been familiar with because they were in kindergarten 20, 30 plus years ago. And that's why this and that's why this conversation is also important. Now, I want you to drop some math magic for me in the chat. Usually when we talk about math, there are four common common feelings that I run into, right? There are mathematicians, there are individuals that say I love it. There are some that feel like blah 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 is going in one ear, it's coming out of the other. And there are some individuals that feel like, hey, I don't like this at all. And then this last <laughs> image of this little boy at the bottom is actually a popular TV show that I wasn't even allowed to really indulge with. But my grandparents were. And he's just like, what you talking about? Like, I have no earthly idea what is even going on and or what the conversation around this math is about. So in the chat, if you could for me, let me know your feelings. Uh, as an educator, I see some of us are content coaches. I see some of us are teachers. What are your feelings about math? Jennifer loves it. She loves to learn and loves learning more about it. Susan loves it, right? A heart from Angie. Carla loves it. Loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. Likes it, okay? We got some honesty in here. I love math and I love sharing my passion. Amazing. A lot of my families fall into this minion space, right? They're right here. Even when it comes to kindergarten <laughs> mathematics, they're just like, look, it's too much. I don't know this new math that you guys are teaching about. And I'm not really, I'm not really there. I'm not really for it. So what we have to do is we have to take this love that we have of it and we really have to show them that they can do it and that they can actually lead the learning in their home. And one way that we do that at Fundamentals of Learning and with our Kindergarten Counts program is actually by being an example for families and not only teaching and leading and advocating, but also helping them to understand that they can actually do it. So during this session, we're gonna focus on a, a, a plethora of things, right? But I'm gonna try to keep my excitement to my 60 minute time limit but i want you guys to know that we're going to talk about whole numbers we're going to talk about counting comparing creating and it's also an opportunity to teach and reteach some of the things that i know that you're already doing so one thing that has really worked successfully for us is to make sure that we had a plan in place for how we were actually going to engage with our families so as we go through this conversation tonight, I want you to know that you're going to apply some of those strategies. You're going to be able to walk away maybe with some fresh ideas. You're going to be able to identify some math standards that I know you're probably already 
um, quite familiar with, but we're going to be able to have more of a conversation around it. We're going to talk about some tools and some foods that are great uses for math in our classroom and at home. And then hopefully, if I don't talk too much, by the end of this, we'll be able to talk through some ways that we can design some math games together. All right. So here we are. I wanted to pull some data. You heard in my intro that I'm from the state of South Carolina. I wanted to pull some data for, for us around kindergarten readiness. You can see statewide that our children are only 26.8% prepared to engage with the kindergarten content. That number for, for literacy, language and literacy is 32.4%, and the number for mathematics is 28.3%. So we have children in daycares and preschools that are now entering into this elementary world not prepared to engage with mathematics. And if you look across the nation, they're starting to have lots of conversations around the benefits of early mathematics, right? They're starting to have a little bit more conversations around why it's important for us to engage early. And they're starting to show these trajectories of starting in grade K and moving up to the, the other elementary levels and why it's important for us to have this really strong foundation in kindergarten. Now, with us, we have a confidence before content approach that we go with. And that's really coming from case studies, surveys, conversations that we've had with families around how their children feel about themselves. And I know for many of us in our classroom, we and, and through our college experience, they taught us about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? They taught us about meeting all of those those um, basic needs at the beginning so that we can build our children up to self-actualization. So what we try to do and what we strive to do is to give our children affirmation. And one of the affirmations that we use for our math students is, I am a mather. I can read numbers. I can write numbers. I am a great mathematician. And before every lesson, we have our children recite this. Before every tutoring session that we've been going into, we have our mathematicians recite this because it really is about them believing in themselves, believing that they can engage with the content and that they can really make great math happen. So kindergarten counts at school. So again, let's drop some math magic in the chat. I want you to tell me maybe the most common um task that's on here that you use either in your classroom that you have a, that you have observed being used or maybe it's your favorite thing to do or maybe you're seeing something new on here and you're wondering what it is what it looks like and what it sounds like so in the chat if you could drop some math magic is it number of the day is that something that you really love is it math talks is it math centers is it math buddies is it all of them? <laughs> so I see a lot of math talks, math talks, all math talks, math talks, right? Math talks are amazing. I love them because I get to hear what's going on inside of the head of my children. Now, math buddies, glad you asked. Oh, someone answered. Small group discussions. A lot of times I'll have my children buddy up in kindergarten if we are working with five frames and I know that there is a child that is doing really well with five frames and sums to five, I'll pair them with another child that where that may be a challenge for them. And that's their math buddy for the week. And a lot of times I'll do a check-in on Friday and I'll say, hey, Linda, you and Juan were math buddies this week. How How is Juan feeling now about the five frame? How, how is he engaging with the five frame? Did you guys use Unifix cues with your five frame? Did you draw in your five frame? So it's really that opportunity for our students to take accountability for each other, right? Again, in high school, yes, it's gonna look, it's gonna look different, but still we can do that pairing where we have students that are really um, attacking uh, a math concept and they really understand it and they can break it down in different ways and maybe pairing them with the child 
that is that where it's a little bit of a challenge. Or we can put two students that are having the challenge together and say, okay, what what is challenging? And both of them may say, well, I don't really understand how um, five is also two and three. So then we can have that conversation with them and talk about what that really looks like. Now, let's move into the home. As you heard in my bio, I am a mom of four. And I really, really started kindergarten counts when my third graders were struggling with multiplication. And I know it sounds weird to hear me say my third graders were struggling, so I started a kindergarten counts program. But I really started to research and read and to understand that if we don't build a strong kindergarten foundation, a strong number sense, place value, understanding of numbers early, we're going to continue to see this decrease in confidence. We're going to continue to see this decrease in success when we talk about math students. So my goal during COVID, which is when kindergarten counselors founded and started, was to really show families that, hey, you can take what you have in your household and you can make learning and make math happen. So when we talk about number of the day, right? I would tell my families, hey, take some kitchen, uh-oh, getting click happy. Take some kitchen utensils, right? And have them grab, and knives was probably, I thought about this when I grabbed the knives. I was like, I probably should have chose a different utensil. <laughs> but this was the only utensil that we didn't have in the dishwasher at the moment. Uh, so I, I grabbed some knives. However, you can have them grab spoons. And if I have four spoons in my hand, that is now my number of the day. Now, what I do with that four is I start to break it down. So I take that four and I will then ask them. Some of the children know how to draw their own five frame. And hopefully you guys can see this because I can't see myself. And then I'm asking them to show me what four looks like. You can show me in a five frame. You can draw four circles, right? You can show me four on the dice. So this is really just giving them that opportunity to talk about the number, to have conversations about the number, to show the number, to engage with that number as they're doing that math. Now, toys, again, I'm a mom of four. So let's talk about what my kids already have access to. So my son literally has a bucket of toys. So now we can talk about what's in this bucket, right? So this becomes a math conversation. How many toys are in your bucket? If I take two of your toys out of the bucket, do you now have more? Do you have less? I see that you have two dinosaurs in your bucket. Let's talk about what the number two means. And then maybe we can draw the number two. Maybe you can have two dinosaurs and then you could put two superheroes with that, right? So we want to make it so common for math to be around us and, and, and in our homes, even if it's not dollars and cents, right? Because when I ask families a lot of times, well, what math conversations are you having? Well, they'll say, well, we don't really use cash anymore, so we don't talk about math a lot. And I have to remind them that math is not only dollars and cents. It's not all. It's not always dollars and coins. Math is just math is the the opportunity to talk about any numbers in any type of way. Of course, according to that child's zone of proximal development. So I'm not going to have a five hundred dollar conversation with my three year old, right? This is something that would be more in his wheelhouse for understanding. Now, when we talk about math centers and clothing, a lot of times I get the question of, well, how? Well, first of all, what is a math center? <laughs> so I had to teach families that really centers are just different tables, different spots where they're doing a theme. So let's say that theme is adding, but they're doing it in multiple ways. So as a parent, I have plenty of these, right? Just socks that don't match anymore. Some people say the dryer has eaten them and we turn this into a center. So at a table, if I'm talking about adding, I might have just individual socks. 
And at that table, my um, three and six-year-old, they can say, well, one sock and one sock make two socks. And then they can draw a picture of that. Whereas I have children that are 11 years old and they might have pairs. So with them, they're taking the socks and they're actually doing two, four, six, eight, ten. And they're skip counting. They are saying, okay, I have five sets of two. So they're drawing out different things and they're engaging with math in a different way, but they're at home, right? And this is something that we spent a lot of time doing during COVID. And then food, I'm a foodie. I love to eat. I love to include it in my teaching and my learning as much as possible um, because selfishly, it, it makes me happy. <laughs> so I love it so much that we have of our program that that's called Math is Tasty. So we get to take different food items like marshmallows and Cheerios and all of these different things. And we get to do math with them. So if you would, again, for me, because I cannot see your beautiful faces, if you can drop some math magic in the chat. So if you had to choose one item, I have dry beans, I have pretzel sticks, I have cheeses, I have Fruit Loops, I have bubble gum, I have Skittles, marshmallows. Choose an item and tell me how a kindergartner can use it during math. And it doesn't have to be lengthy. You can literally say, Skittles for graphing, cheese it for counting. But just tell me how we can incorporate some of these foods into what we're doing in a math classroom. While I dig out my other jars. M&M's, probability, I love it. Pretzels for me in pieces, which is longer, I love it. Pretzel sticks for shapes, yes, yes, yes. Any item can be counted and compared. Absolutely, y'all are on it. Cheerios for, yes, counting by tens. Fruit Loops for sorting, graphing, counting, cheese it. Area for third and fourth, I love it. We just used dried beans today. I love it, Rachel, I did too. I love dried beans for my, for my kindergartners to be able to cover their entire 100s chart with 100 beans. They think it's amazing. And I usually will have it mixed so they'll have some pinto beans and some kidney beans and some black beans. And they just love it. And Linda pretzels for tallying. Believe it or not, I actually had a kindergartner teach me about pretzels for tallying, tallying. And I was like, yes, that is an amazing idea. But yes, 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 guys. All amazing ideas. And these are some of the things that we tell our families. You already have fruit loops. You have Cheerios. A lot of you have dried beans. We're Southern. We love a good pot of beans and rice. So we have these items in our home. Let's take them. Let's turn them into math lessons and really, really, really encourage our children to be mathematicians. All right. So math tools. So I talked about some of these already, but I want to kind of circle back because a lot of times we don't share this information out. I had to teach families that Play-Doh, yes, it's in the same category as slime, and it can get a little messy, but it is amazing when we're talking about subtraction. It is amazing when we're talking about addition because children get to, and it's, and it's amazing fire motor. I mean, I just, I just love Play-Doh, and I probably am one of the only parents in my immediate group that loves Play-Doh and Slime, but I love them both. I love Slime because I because my kids can do science and I love Play-Doh because they can literally do anything with it. Excuse me, but one of the things that I love is that I can teach them how to subtract with their Play-Doh. So one thing that we do uh, in kindergarten is called smash subtraction. So if you have done it before, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't done it before, then I suggest trying it. <laughs> but if I'm doing, so let's say, for example, I'm doing two minus one, right? So I have them make two Play-Doh balls. And again, hope you guys can see my board. But I will have them make two. Ah, they rolled up on me. But I will have them make two Play-Doh balls. And it's not going to 
be perfectly because I kind of kind of have to smash it right now. But I will have them make two and I'll say, okay, what's two minus one? And it will just smash one. And then the one that's smashed and flat, they'll know that two minus one is equal to one. And a lot of times I'll smash this one. But just so it wouldn't roll away, roll away on me again, I just smashed the one closest to me. But that's something really quick. And it takes them time. So if you do bigger numbers like 10, sometimes it'll take my six-year-old at least 10 minutes to like roll them out perfectly. So that just gives me time to fold laundry or do something else. <laughs> so a lot of times it's really about teaching families also how to own their time. Another tool that we neglect because some students are taught not to use them, but we have built-in five frames and a built-in 10 frame, okay? 10, we have it built into our bodies. So when we're talking about subitizing, when we're talking about showing numbers, right? This is just, this is such a quick thing that we can do, especially during our math talks, when typically in a classroom, we may not have a whole lot of time, we can use this really quickly to show, okay, this is five. Or show me another way to make five. Show me another way to make five. Show me another way to make five. And really quickly, I can scan the room. I can see who needs that support in the classroom. Now, at home, we can, do the, we can teach our families to do the same thing. Ask them different ways and give our families a cheat sheet because sometimes we're, they're still growing, learning. They're still trying to figure out exactly how we're teaching. But I can give my families a cheat sheet and say, hey, when you talk about five today, five can be four and one, five can be two and three, five can be five and zero. So as you're asking them to flash those fingers, make sure that those are the answers that they're coming up with. And then the last tool that I love, and I just realized I went out of order, but it's okay, is the M the 100s chart. It's amazing for counting. I mentioned earlier, it's amazing for those dry beans activity, amazing for counting by tens. And even as you get into the older grades, a lot of times I will work with those students on multiplication facts on the hundreds chart, dividing on the hundreds chart, counting, um, counting by, I'm sorry, if they're having trouble with regrouping, I'll show them how to subtract 10 and subtract ones on their hundreds chart until they're comfortable with it. So that hundreds chart can be moved into various grade levels, but having that strong foundation with it in kindergarten is where it's where it's at. All right. So let's talk now about our standards. So this is another time for you to drop some math magic in the chat. Now it doesn't have to be the exact terminology, but what are the five math standards for kindergarten? I give you one hint that one is geometry. But you don't have to say all. And my kindergarten teachers, I know y'all on it. <laughs> but counting in cardinality, yes. Measuring, yes. See if we can get some more. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Tony. Operations, algebraic thinking, yes. Three. Geometry, yes. So identifying those shapes. And that's one more. I'm going to give us five seconds. Four seconds. Three seconds, two seconds, one, yes, bam, measurement and date number and base 10. Uh, sometimes those can go together. I've seen some standards where they put measurement and data together. I've seen some standards where they separate it. I've seen some standards where numbers and, and operations are grouped with um, algebraic thinking. A lot of times it depends on your state. It depends on whether or not they're following Common Core, whether they're branched off and they're following um, something else. But at the core of all of it is typically these five set standards. Counting cardinality, operations, algebraic thinking, number and operations in base 10, measurement and data, and geometry. And a lot of times our kindergartners, they need this to be solid. Because when they start working in first grade and they start working in second grade and they have to regroup, when that foundation of base 10 is not solid, we start to see, we start to see this. And I'm just, I just have to write this really quickly, guys. Because if I say it, it's not, 
I don't know if it'll, I don't know if you guys will really see, but I see this all the time. And let me change this to 32. So I see this all the time where my students would do this and this, right? I see a lot of times where if they see 32 minus 19, they're going to put a seven here because they don't understand place value. They don't understand how the numbers work. They don't understand what's being asked of them. And that question, of course, is not a kindergarten question. That's something I might be working on with one of my third, my second or third grade students. But it's really why this conversation is so important, because we have to make sure that they understand what's happening when they're subtracting, what's happening with those numbers when they're adding. And that a five is not just a five, but a five can be broken down into different numbers. There are different numbers coming together to make that five. All right. So a lot of my passion stems from my own experience. So on my left is me, 1994 as a kindergartner. <laughs> and then on this side, one of my kindergarten students from our learning pod that we launched um, during COVID-19. So a lot of times when I'm speaking with kindergartners and when I'm working with kindergartners, I'm thinking about this little girl in this picture. I'm thinking about how much I love doing what I was doing, how much I was celebrated during those lessons. And I can remember them because my teachers made them fun. They made them excited. I remember being laid, laying down on the ground and being measured. I remember having my snack and counting my snack. And for so many children, when COVID happened and the world shut down, learning was, was full of packets. Kindergarten was full of just worksheets. And, and they weren't really getting that experience of just the joy of learning and counting for the first time. And that's what is the fuel that keeps me moving towards having conversations like this and really talking about why early mathematics is important because we have to start this love of learning math early or we're gonna lose a lot of children that can be really, really great mathematicians. So let's talk about counting and cardinality. We already talked about how or, or we already named it, right, of knowing what it is. And for a lot of us, we know exactly what it is. We know how to break it down. But our families, a lot of times, they don't walk around saying cardinality. They don't walk around talking about comparing numbers. That's not something that's a part of their everyday language. So as educators, as educational leaders, as advocates of mathematics, we have to bring that into their environment. And we have to say, when you're counting, um, when your child is counting the number of fruit snacks that they have, that's counting in cardinality. When they are saying numbers in a sequence, that's cardinality. So we really have to take the time to really teach them and, and express to them that they're doing the same things that we're doing in the classroom already, but they just have to put a name to it. And that naming of it is very important because our children need to know what it means to, to, to sequence, what it means to compare those numbers. So for a minute, not even an entire minute because we're already at 933. Let's count and work with numbers. So if I were to give the number two is kind of low. Let's say if I were to give the number seven, what are some common objects in a kindergarten classroom that we could count? So of course we already talked about, right? The gumballs and the beans and Cheerios. But let, I'm sorry, not, not in the classroom. What are some common objects in, in the home that families would be able to count and work with numbers with? So I've given examples of toys. I've given examples of socks, crayons in a box. Yes, if they have crayons, if they have coins, not necessarily the value of the coin, um, books, spoons. Yes, Jennifer. My children love, yes, I was just going to say Legos. <laughs> My children love Legos. They have the tiny ones. They have the larger ones. Um, they have ring lights. They have um, cars and trucks. Yes, Lisa. They have 
press on nails. I'm sorry, my girls are getting towards being a teenager. So they have all sorts of things that they can actually count. And yes, counting the number of steps. That's how my that's how my now six year old learned how to count to 16. Because her dad and her every morning, they would count the number of steps that it took to get downstairs. So yes, if they have steps, that is something that they can definitely include in that. Now, when we're talking about operations and algebraic thinking, that scares some families because they don't know exactly what we're talking about. Some of them do, and some of them is scary. They've, they've told me that some of the language is, is scary for them because it's not something that they have either not have been exposed to or it wasn't said to them that way when they were learning math. But for most of my families, they understand addition, subtraction. They understand the basics of it, right? When I add something, I'm putting it together. When I take it away or, or when I'm subtracting, I'm taking it apart. Or I'm taking away from a group. So when we talk about adding and subtracting, one of the things that I always encourage families to use are dice. Because they're so... One, easy to find if you have Monopoly, if you have, excuse me, any other games that call for dice, they're, they're super easy to find, but we can do so much with the dice. We can roll it twice and add those numbers together. We can roll it twice and subtract the smaller number from the larger number. We can roll it twice and make a two-digit number. We can roll it four times and make a four-digit number. So the, the possibilities of dice, and I love dice almost as much as I love a 100s chart, but the possibilities are endless when it comes to this, this particular tool, right? Now, if you need a brain break, I can't see you. If you need to stretch, if you need to hold your arms up, <laughs> now is the time. And I put this little dancing alien in here because I also have to teach families that it is okay to stop, sometimes stop yelling, <laughs> and just take a break. Pause. If they're not getting it, if they're not understanding it, saying it louder is not going to get them to an answer, right? Sometimes we just need to stop, pause, and take a break, especially when we are engaging with math. Because math sometimes is just that, it's just that subject. It's, it's, that, it's that time, it's that homework time of the day where things can get, you know, a little hostile. So taking that break to pace yourself and calm down is, is very, very important. And it teaches our younger mathematicians that it's okay to stop and come back to it and refocus on it and then continue working through it. All right, numbers and operations in the base 10. So we're working with teen numbers at this at this point, right? So let's, for a moment, I want you to pull out your birth month and just drop in the chat for me what your number would be. So my January people, 11, February, 12. So we have some February. Let me see how fast I can do this. Oh, no, I can't do it as fast as I thought. All right, 15. Is it May or October? So my 13 people, I need the month because we have two. I need to see who else is a May baby because I'm kind of, I just think we're the best. <laughs> just kidding. All right, so we have some September. Ooh, October. So this is another way, right, for families to pull out numbers without thinking, okay? So we provide them with this chart. We have some, ooh, September. We have a lot of September babies in here. All right, I think September might, may have won, guys. Yeah, I think just with a quick scan, it's looking like September won. But with this, we can give families this, this cheat sheet, if you will, and say, hey, if you're ever stuck and you don't have a number for a number of the day, or you don't have a number for the toys you want them to collect, for their counting jars or for their collection, what what month were they born in? Okay, that's your number for the day. Or that can be your number for the week. And you could actually change it and manipulate it in different ways. 
Now, for me, again, I'm born in the wonderful month of May. And this is something that I love to create with my kindergarten. Okay. When we talk about tens and ones, and I'm so tiny, I don't even know if y'all can see all of this, but my tens is in black and my ones is in pink. So when we when we create our number, right, they get to see how much longer one place value chain is than the other. So let's say I'm born in January and I make my place value chain. And then my friend that's born in September makes their place value chain. And then we start to compare the two chains to see which one is longer. So not only are we tapping into this standard where we're talking about numbers and operations in base 10, but then we also start to talk about measurement because we're talking about which place value chain is longer than the other. Okay. So that is just something that also families could create. If they have construction paper, if they have tape or glue, we can say, hey, you guys can create number chains at home. We can supply, right, construction paper to families. I don't think that that's um, too far out of the budget. Um, but I also teach families that if you cannot get construction paper, you can take some white copy paper and take two different color crayons and make a dot on it. And all of my red dots are going to be 10. Can't hear. Uh-oh. Am I muted? No, you're good. Oh. You're good. Okay. You're good. I can hear. I can hear. Okay. I'm sorry, Linda. I know you said you can't hear. I'm just trying to make sure. Um, But, yes, we want to give them that, that space to create, even if they don't have, let's say, the exact material. Uh, we always want to teach them that there is an alternative. There is an alternative to what you can do. All right. Measurement and data. I love this one because I feel, feel as though measurement and data was probably one of the easiest standards for my mathematicians to get and understand. Because, again, going back to that first slide, innately within our brain, there is already something mathematically that's taking place. And for them, measurement and data was super quick. Um, someone suggested earlier with the Skittles, right? Taking those Skittles and saying, okay, we're gonna make a graph of how many red versus green versus yellow. I would take gumballs and I would do the same thing. And just to put out a disclaimer, if I was, when I'm working with food, my students know that you, you get three sneak pieces. Right, because I know how hard it is to work with food and be a foodie because it's hard for me. So I always tell them, hey, okay, Glenda, I'm glad you glad you can hear. I always tell them, hey, you get three sneak pieces. So if we're working with gumballs, you get to you get to eat three. Right. If we're working with fruit snacks, you get if, if we work whatever we're working with, that's edible. I always have to tell them dry beans is not edible, friends. We have to cook that first. But if it's edible, I let them get a, I let them get three sneak bites because we can move forward with our lesson after that. And I don't have to keep yelling <laughs> or recorrecting. I'll say, no, don't eat that. That's a part of the lesson. So when we talk about food and adding it into our math, let's also build in those, those, those three bites. Measurement and data. So usually I would do minute to win it, but I'm at 943. So I'm going to do it this way instead. And we're going to go to geometry. But I will tell you what I usually do with minutes and win it. So with minutes and win it, I will usually flash something in the classroom that says longer. And they will have one minute to go find something that is longer than the object that they have in their, on their desk. Now, at home, a way that we can translate that is to give them one of their toys, right? Give them one of their toys that they already have and give them a minute to go find five, five objects that are longer than that toy. Okay, switch it, reverse it, have them pick another toy. Okay, give them a minute to go find five things that are shorter than that toy. So that's something that families can do. That's something that the children can do while the families are doing things that families just have to do right, that moms and dads just have to do on a regular basis 
but we can still build in math and math content into what we're doing at home. Now, with geometry, we're going to talk a little bit about tools that we can use. Of course, marshmallows, toothpicks. I have learned that sometimes I have to use um, straws instead of toothpicks, um, unless they're the rounded ones, because my, my babies like to stick themselves sometimes just to get a Band-Aid. <laughs> so we have learned to use rounded toothpicks or straws during some of our geometry lessons. Now, let's see what we come up with here. So I know you cannot build, and I wouldn't even be able to see you if you did, but I want you to tell me some ways that you can build your object so this is the middle initial of your name so for me i am an a because my middle name is amelia okay so how would we build or how would you your shape what kind of objects can you use so if you're h through m for your middle name how can you build a circle if N through T, you got some pretzel sticks for your middle name. How can you build a rectangle? Noodles. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about dry noodles. I have to use those more. Yep. Pipe cleaners. Oh, Twizzlers, Teresa. I would need like 12 sneak bites if I use, if I use Twizzlers because I love Twizzlers so, so, so much. But, yes, that's a good idea. Circle pipe cleaners. Yep, I love pipe cleaners. Craft sticks. Yep, Play-Doh. Y'all see me rolling it out right now. Make my squares. Not going to be perfect because I'm trying to beat the buzzer. It looks more like a circle, but I think you guys will get the drift. I'm going to just say I'm a circle because it looks like a circle. But yeah, definitely Play-Doh. Gummy bears. Hmm, I like that idea. I like that. Another another um, food item that I would need about 12 sneak bites for because I actually love gummy bears too. Okay, time check because I get really excited. All right. So yes, 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 guys. Amazing, amazing thoughts. Thank you guys so much for them. Now, in this part of our conversation, I wanted us just to think about games. Now you guys can type them in the chat or you can leave them to your to your own mental space because I want to think about the games, but I also want you to type any questions that you might have um, about any conversations that, that we've had today, any challenges that some families have named. Um, but I want you to pick a color that you like most. And I know some people might like brown and black or Colors that aren't on here. <laughs> but if your favorite color is on here, if you could share with us um, either an activity or a game that your students or someone in your school has used before, that would be helpful. So when we talk about counting and cardinality, a lot of times I'll do a game called Roll and Read. And they'll roll a dice and they'll read a number that's on their chart. Um, for geometry, we play a shape body game. So you actually have to choose a, find some friends, and you guys have to make a shape with your body. So we talk about the sides. We talk about um, whether it's 2D or 3D. Can I make a 2D shape with my friends, right? Operations, algebraic thinking. We do a lot of things called slash and count. So we might have... Um, a sum to five game and we're rolling and we're moving around the game board and we slash when our friends are did not get to the end and we count how many times we've made it or how many times we didn't make it to the end. Um, sometimes we do the same things when it comes to measurement, measurement and data. A lot of times we'll do activities where we'll choose, we'll track what we chose for lunch and that's a part of our data. How many um, individuals chose chocolate milk in the month of May? How many individuals chose um, vanilla milk in that month? But also, again, because this entire thing is about how do we translate that? So now I'm taking these 
counting and cardinality games. And I'm teaching families, hey, if you're playing a card game, you know, take out those Uno cards and talk about those numbers. Talk about what the quantity of that number looks like. Geometry, you know, going back to you guys, some of your earlier thoughts. What are some ways that I could build? What are some ways that I can take those knives that I showed you earlier and actually build shapes with them? Talking about operations and algebraic thinking in the home. How can I take the two toys that I have over here, add them to the three toys that I have over here, make that group of five? Measurement and data, kind of that same idea. I know a lot of families will have Sunday dinners, right? Let's track our Sunday dinners. Let's track the types of food that we've made for our Sunday dinners this year, right? Numbers of operations in the base 10. Let's talk about team numbers. Let's talk about tens and ones. Let's talk about place value. We can even create place value charts in our home and have them there, okay? So sharing is caring. If you guys have thought of any games, if you guys have played any games or have done any activities, please drop those names or ideas in the chat. Drop your math magic, math thinking in the chat. And last but certainly not least, thank you guys so much for being an awesome audience. Thank you for your engagement in the chat. Thank you for sharing out some of the wonderful things that you guys are doing. Thank you for your time. Time cannot be given back unto you. So thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you for listening. And if you guys would like to stay connected, here is all of my social media information youtube tutorials we have facebook group we have a instagram we are on twitter we are even on tiktok doing some dances and making math and making kindergarten learning as fun and engaging as possible there's a bit.ly link down at the bottom i know that our lovely host has also mentioned that you guys will have the recording but if you would like a pdf of it Please, please, please make sure that you copy down this case sensitive bit.ly um, so that you'll be able to get a copy. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you have been amazing. I hope that you were able to learn something new or just to read or just to hear again something that you've already done that's amazing. And I hope that you guys have an awesome rest of your week in whatever classrooms and schools that you are in. And I'm here as a resource of anyone ever has questions or just or just needs a, a brain to, to bounce some math ideas off of. All right. All right. You. Yeah. Thank you so much, Isis, for sharing. That was really, really energizing. Um, lots of great ideas. Um, so thank you once again. And I hope we'll have lots of you join us in about two weeks. Our next webinar is on February 21st and it's Innovative Mathematics and the Rosenthal Prize. And we have two presenters for that, Eric Lee and Sarah Furman. I hope many of you will be able to join us then. Good night, everyone.